Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University is comprised of five schools, each offering a variety of majors and programs for students that want to pursue communication-related careers. From the highly technical information and telecommunication systems to the theoretical communication studies and everything in between, programs in the college offer students both the fundamentals of communication practice and the tenacity and skills to further advance the field. In addition, the college is home to four centers and institutes that enable students to gain hands-on experience and learn new skills. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some are not, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories to tell. Today, we're talking with Ira Flato, the host of Science Friday on Public Radio International. Each week, Ira makes science, technology, health, space, and the environment understandable to about 2 million listeners on public radio and podcasts. As you know, that a lot of people... Um, have difficulty with science. They think it's hard to understand. They think that uh, scientists are, are hard to understand, although they love science. I mean, latest surveys are showing that people love science, and they will get as much science as they can if you give them the opportunity. Well, the opportunities aren't, don't always present themselves. A lot of the news programs that used to cover science don't cover science anymore. Many of the uh, people have been fired from news staff. Newspapers that used to have science sections don't exist anymore. This, is all, this all flies in the face of latest surveys that show that people like science, as I say. So how do you communicate science to these people who like it or try to get other people in there uh, into, the, in, into the, the corral of those who follow science? And I think the answer is in this in this uh, community that we have now, in, in, in the atmosphere we have in the media now, is you go to where people are. You use the popular culture. And in fact, show business has discovered, uh, and the entertainment industry has discovered that people love science so much that, that, that science has become a staple in our, in our popular culture. On television, the number one science show, number one uh, entertainment show on TV is The Big Bang Theory. It's all about science. There are science films. Look at all the rash of films we have that talk about Alan Turing, about Stephen Hawking, about other scientists. Uh, there are stage plays all over the place and uh, coming about. There are great books about science. So you want to get to people, you go to where they are, either on the Internet or in popular culture, and science is really popular there. You say people love science, but don't people generally feel that it's uh, just too complicated, that they can't comprehend it, so there's some kind of hesitation about getting into it? Well, I think people, I think if you can explain it to people, they may have that initial feeling, but if you explain it to people in a way that they understand it, a little light bulb goes off in their head and they say, wow, 
that's really good stuff. Um, you know, that's what we try to do on Science Friday. I can't tell you how many people, how many emails we get and, and, and personal correspondence of people who talk to me or will see me giving a talk and or will write to us and say, you know, I didn't realize that science could be so interesting. And the, my favorite line, and I've heard this so many times, is I'm an English major, but I really enjoyed what you guys were talking about. You need an interpreter, you know? Does the average person, you say they need an interpreter, and, and that's, that's certainly the case, but do they see a connection of science being integrated in their daily lives? I know you do a lot of talking about science and technology and health issues and environmental issues. Do people get that? Oh, I think they do. I think surveys show that they do. I mean, people understand uh, you know, that uh, medical research helps them in their lives, even though a lot of people are having trouble with vaccinations these days and understanding the connection. Uh, people under, you know, b back in the day when we had a lot of people going into space, people understood the role of science and technology and how it affected their lives. Um, people understand that science, you know, creates jobs. And science and technology create jobs. Look at what's going on in the solar industry now. You have, a, you have a growing industry in, in alternative energies and solars and wind, and they're creating loads of jobs in this industry, and I think people understand that. The debate about climate change uh, and uh, in our area, the debate about fracking, uh, those are all scientific issues, but you have a divergence of opinion on those. Is that well-informed opinion, and what can you do as sort of an educator about science to make sure that people have the facts? Well, the, the problem with the way the people view science is they think that science is a book of facts that sits on your desk and you open it up to page 51, D, there's what's going to tell me about science there. Well, in fact, science is a process of discovering the truth. And the process um, involves sometimes, you know, saying, I don't know. I mean, sometimes we don't know what the exact truth is. A lot of people have trouble with, you know, saying, I don't know. Sometimes things are, or most times, things are gray. They're not black and white. And all these issues we talk about, fracking, GMO foods, things like that, um, they are in a gray area. They're not, you know, things are not fully determined like we'd like it to be. So sometimes you have to look at the facts and make a decision for yourself. You know, does, is fracking, what are the facts about fracking? Does it cause more earthquakes where we live? Does it cause, um, you know, the groundwater to go bad? What happen, what, what's the truth in our local area here? And um, it's up to people to make decisions for themselves, and they don't like to hear that. How about young people? We see uh, oftentimes a disconnection between young people and the social sciences, young people in government, young people in history. Do you see that same disconnection between young people in science, or are they doing better that topic? You know, that's an interesting question, because I think that all young people, all kids start out as natural-born scientists. You know, they get into trouble. They're trying to see how things work. They want to take things apart. Back in the day, they, you know, they would try to take Pop-Tarts and stick them in the VCR because there's a little slot there that looks <laughs> like a toaster, you know? But they're experimenting with that. So kids become very interested in science at a very young age. 
The challenge is to keep that interest going in them. Something happens called adolescence when, when they start thinking of you know other things besides science when they're in junior high school. And scientists, people who are interested in science, who stay interested in science, will tell you what got them through that period is a mentor, either a teacher, a parent, an uncle, somebody, you know, someone who saw that they were interested in science and helped them stay interested in science by, by advising them and mentoring them. And, um, kids, kids, you know, it's, that's the challenge with kids. And I also think, you know, we should be teaching science, when we teach science to kids, we try to teach science a little too much like all kids are going to become scientists. I think we should be teaching science like we teach art. You know, we teach, we don't think you're going to be Picasso. So we teach you how to appreciate Picasso, or how to appreciate art. We have art appreciation. I think what we don't have is we don't have science appreciation. We should not teach science like we expect you to be a scientist. You're not going to be a scientist, not, not the vast majority. But you are going to be making decisions about science and you're going to be using science, if it's taught properly, to be a, a consumer. You, you will learn to be a critical thinker. And that's how we should be teaching science. We should be teaching you to be a critical thinker. We should teach you what, about what science does, what it does not do, its limitations, its strengths, and how to appreciate it, who are great scientists, just like we study who are great painters. And I think that's missing. Uh, and I think it's a cru crucial element why people don't understand what scientists do. How do we address the gender gap in, in the sciences and engineering? I think the gender gap is slowly closing. Um, there are more women getting into science and, and, and engineering, not as fast as possible. Uh, but we have to, I think, understand that young women may learn differently than boys. Boys and girls may learn differently. And so we may not recognize in girls uh, when they're sitting in a class, that they actually are interested in something when they just appear to be sitting there and not saying anything. There are studies that show that uh, young women will just sit in a class quietly and soak things up, and they don't, be, you know, they don't, they don't show that they're uh, by acting out or whatever as, as boys do, and so they get overlooked in the classroom. We need to learn. We need to find a way and learn that a lot of kids learn differently, um, and 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 young girls and young women may learn differently. And boys do. Plus, we also need to we also need to mentor them. We also need to you know not say oh she's a girl so she's not going to be interested in science. We should be mentoring them as much as we do boys, and perhaps even more because we need to find those girls who are interested in science. As you well know, uh, technology and the media have changed so much over the last five years, and probably will double or triple that in the next five years or ten years. How do you keep up with the technology and science maybe moving too quickly? Technology is, you're right, technology is moving very, very quickly. Um, trying to keep up, um, I have to do a lot of reading, a lot of research. I read a lot of abstracts, a lot of journals. Um, I also try to find and follow the key movers in science and technology. One example I think is Elon Musk, you know, the guy who was head of SpaceX and, and uh, Tesla, the car, things like that. So I, I would classify him as the Thomas Edison of our generation. Um, you try to keep up with people who are in the forefront. Uh, and, and you do the best you can because, you know, as you, as you say, things are moving very, very quickly.
Virtual reality, augmented reality, those are on the horizon to become new media forms of, of storytelling. How do you see those integrated in what you do or, or what your contemporaries do in science education? Well, we got to see whether they, these things really pan out. I, you know, I'm a great believer that uh, things need time. We don't even know if these augmented realities and these virtual realities how popular uh, they're going to become. Um, do you have a 3D TV set? No. I don't think so. <laughs> a lot of people don't have it, although that was supposed to be the next big thing. Now you see these virtual reality glasses. Do you have one yet? I don't think so, although we keep seeing them being shown off at the Consumer Electronics Show. So I'm not ready to jump on these bandwagons quite yet to try to use all the possible things that might be out there. Um, Let's wait and see, uh, with the limited, limited resources everybody has, let's wait and see what shakes out and, you know, where to spend most of your time. You are the host and executive editor of Science Friday, but you also have a nonprofit, Science Friday Initiative. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Science Friday Initiative is the company that actually produces the radio show Science Friday. Um, we work with uh, Public Radio International, PRI, which is our network that we, uh, that we broadcast on. And um, we do other things besides the radio show. Uh, Science Friday used to be just the radio show, but now the Science Friday Initiative um, has found that, uh, you know, we, we get great return when we go to other things. You have to move, right? You have to move into digital. So we do educational materials. We have an educational manager. Ariel Zitch, who does a lot of educational material for us. We have our website. We have videos. Luke Groskin is our video producer. We do a tremendous number of videos, and we turn them into educational materials. Um, we do uh, live events. We have a book club. We have a science club. All these things are connected to the radio show, but the initiative has allowed us to expand these things out because, as you know, um, radio audiences are not the only audiences out there now. We have a podcast audience. Hundreds of thousands of people every month download our podcast. So all these things are separate and connected to the radio show. I read uh, recently that you're expanding your podcast back to full-hour podcasts. Yeah, we, you know, we started at the full-hour podcast, and then it was successful, and we then decided to make little segments available instead of the full hour, and people were saying, you know, I jog, I, I'm driving in my car, when we were the, I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm cooking in the kitchen. Can you give us the hour back so I don't have to go back to my, you know, keep clicking on that mouse, I can listen to the whole show. Um, and so we brought it, we took it back to an hour. Uh, we have an app, we have iPhone and Android apps, where if you download the show on the apps, you can still listen to the segments individually if you like. So there are multiple platforms. If you want to get involved and listen, any, any way that you'd like to. For the average person out there, Ira, besides listening to Science Friday, what can they do to keep abreast of new developments? I think there are lots of places on the Internet. There are lots of wonderful science sites on the Internet, and everything from Scientific American to the New York Times to Space.com to NASA. You know, NASA has some great science stuff in it, and especially climate change and global warming sites there uh, for people to look at. Um, 
You want to find something that you trust. That's the real problem with the Internet is that there's a lot of junk out there. So besides Science Friday, look into these other sites and find some people, find some sites who you trust and, and you know, uh, get the emails and, and, and check with them every day. We get on the RSS feed, as we say. We've been talking with Ira Flato of Science Friday on Public Radio International. He also is producing weekly science podcasts via iTunes and Android apps. We want to thank you for listening to Spectrum. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Next on Spectrum, we'll present a special edition focusing on fear, hate, and racism in America. For more information about Spectrum, go to WOUB.org. Thank you.